0: Welcome to First State Insights, offering information, perspectives and analysis for public policy, management and community and economic development in Delaware. Hi everyone and welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the Institute for Public Administration. My name is Julia O'Hanlon and I'm a staff member at the Institute which is a research and public service center in the University of Delaware's Biden School of Public Policy and Administration. We call ourselves IPA for short. In this episode, we are joined by Susan Getman, Executive Director of Mid-County Senior Center in Newcastle, Delaware. We're going to be discussing an important public health issue in Delaware, community connections for older Delawareans during COVID-19. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Today, we'll be discussing the importance of social connections for older Delawareans, some of the health risks associated with uh, isolation and loneliness, and the role that senior centers can play in keeping people connected within their community, particularly now as we're dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and the requirements to be physically distanced. We're joined uh, in this episode by Susan Getman, Executive Director of the Mid County Senior Center located in Newcastle County, Delaware. Uh, The center serves community members age 50 and older with a variety of programs and activities designed to keep people healthy, active, and independent while having fun and staying connected. So, Sue, thank you for joining today. Thanks for having me. Your background and experiences serving older adults here in Delaware includes, obviously, your time at Mid-County Senior Center, um, but I know you also had time with the Wilmington Senior Center and the Delaware Stand-by-Me program. Um, and other nonprofit experiences. And you've also been really involved uh, regionally and nationally with um, some professional organizations, including the National Institute of Senior Centers, which uh, of course is a subsidiary of the National Council on Aging. So maybe uh, you could kind of kick us off uh, talking a little bit about how these roles have helped shed light on the general importance of social connectedness for older adults, uh, particularly here in Delaware.
2: Sure. Thanks, Julia. Well, my mission and passion are really helping people live and age well, experiencing the best life possible. And what I see as the key to living well is relationships. My experience is that no matter what our age or position, we need other people in our lives to engage with significantly and consistently. Before I started working in senior centers, I worked for a number of years with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Mm -hmm. and there I was able to see how the bond between an adult and a child helped the young person grow up with confidence and good Mm -hmm. self-esteem. My work as a nonprofit leader in Delaware and with my National Senior Center colleagues has shown me that links, um, enable partnerships for service advocacy and fundraising plus most important mutual support. Yeah. And then my, my 22 years in senior centers, 20 at Wilmington and and now two here at mid County have shown me over and over that without our regular social connections, we simply cannot age. Well, Mm -hmm. um, Loneliness is considered by some the other epidemic right now for older adults mm. and have such detrimental effects on health and wellness, plus accelerate the aging process.
1: Yeah, and and we know this is really important here in Delaware as we, you know, continue to see an increase in our state's 65 and older population. So that demographic uh, combined with, you know, what you're suggesting on the national and Um, the research and the impacts that 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 we're finding on uh, isolation and loneliness and and what that can do and what the implications are from a public health perspective on mental and and physical health and how that relates to being able to successfully age in community or age in place is is really important. And um, I know, you know, keeping people connected and healthy, is is even more important now, as you're saying. You know, we're, we're trying to, in one way, you keep keep protected from this virus that we're experiencing. And older adults, as we know, have some vulnerabilities um, more than other populations, so they're being asked to be really careful. Mm-hmm. And yet, we're at the same time asking people to, you know, be um, distance and sheltered in place, um, which again, we know has significant health risk and implications. Um, there was an op-ed, I think, in New York Times, a, a co-worker, a colleague of mine had shared with me on sort of this paradoxical situation we have with this. So you, in one regard, again, we're, we're keeping, we're keeping, trying to keep away from this virus and yet being isolated is really no good for our, our minds and bodies either. So it's sort of this this paradox. Uh, how how has the importance of staying socially connected um, been underscored for you and other Delaware Senior Center directors in the past several months with with this situation?
2: Well, you're so right that it's it's uh, a real paradox that we want to stay connected. We know it's important, but. We can't be physically close. So I think that's one of the things that we're trying to keep in our minds at senior centers is to be physically distanced, but um, socially connected. There are thousands of people across Delaware who participate in senior centers. And whether they come here for lunch or bridge or pickleball or line dancing, our um, research or, or surveys with them each year show us that the biggest benefit, no matter what they're doing is social. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of people who come here after they've retired because they miss their colleagues. They mm-hmm. don't have that proverbial water cooler to stand around mm-hmm. and walk weekend stories with, um, after a spouse has, has passed, um, people want something to do and people to be with after everyone's gone back home. It's kind of like a place where we're sort of like cheers, where everybody knows your name, long. you (laughs) You can make new friends and um, spend time with old friends. So we got to March 16th and bam, all of that was gone. Um, and so in many cases, our senior center members were completely alone. They were the only thing they had for company was their TV. I mean, mm-hmm. even their family can't come to visit. I know we're cut off from our three year old um, granddaughter, which is is really hard yeah. and there's nowhere to go. So. We had, as senior center um, directors, a huge concern that losing that human contact would really um, negatively impact people's well-being. I mean, they're lonely. There's a sense of loss. I think all of us are feeling that um, kind of a grieving for what was. Depression. the lack of purpose, I know it's important for me to be able to get up each day and and feel like I have a reason, um, but folks who couldn't come to the center anymore were not having that. It's hard to eat by yourself. Um, sure. A lot of people come here for their lunch um, and their main meal, so their nutrition um, was was a concern. And then we all need mental stimulation, and if we don't have – I mean, TV can – do just so much and yeah, the reading is great, but if you don't have other people, companionship, it's really hard to keep your mind sharp. I had a really touching um, email from a caregiver of one of our members. The, the member's 83, he has Parkinson's disease, and he comes here three times a week to, ha- to go to an exercise class, he has lunch, and he has conversation and frankly, it, what we do is provide an opportunity for the caregiver to pursue her own activities while her husband comes here. And she she wrote in this email that um, she has seen since we've been closed some physical deterioration, the lack of companionship has caused mm-hmm. depression to set in and she has no respite. Sure. So she, she concluded by saying that the center is really a lifesaver where People are reminded that they still count for something, and um, we're like a family, and that we all we all need that. So that's the that's what we've been grappling with um, after, since the, the closure in mid March.
1: Yeah, and as I've talked with you uh, over the course of the past several months and other center directors throughout the state, it's very clear that many centers, you know, are are really involved in, in frontline efforts aimed at keeping our older community members as healthy and connected as possible. I mean, again, we're all trying to figure out what we can do and how to make that happen. And, you know, do we, you know, do we have the accessibility of technology and and what does that look like? And so, you know, again, we're having to close our facilities. You guys have closed your facilities and um, to ensure that the physical distance but what are what are some of the specific ways that, you, you know, your center and others in Delaware have have continued to, you know, serve and stay connected with your members and provide services where you can and other older adults in the community during this time?
2: Well, it's a good question. I, I will say that when we first were notified that we had to be closed, we had one weekend's advance notice. So mm-hmm. it wasn't long. We found out on a Friday that we couldn't serve meals anymore, and then... By Monday, we had to close completely. So the first concern, as always, I think, um, is food. Uh, We want to make sure that nobody is going hungry in this time. And that is true for any age. But our focus, of course, is older adults. So uh, we are continuing, uh, the senior centers across the state that deliver meals, we are continuing to have volunteers come through the Meals on Wheels program. They come each weekday and um, take the food out to the families. The procedures have changed. They can't stay, stand and have a conversation, but at least they can bring the food to people. Uh, some of us are doing what we're calling grab-and-go meals. We have mm-hmm. meals packaged up and people drive up in the parking lot and we go out with our masks and put them through the passenger window so that they have some food to home, home at home to eat. And then others are uh, providing groceries and food giveaways. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of work around um, food and nutrition and making sure that, um, as I said, nobody goes hungry. Yeah. Some centers are offering, um, virtual classes, some fitness classes, yoga, um, they're using Facebook live, uh, zoom, uh, we have a group of women who do an art class by connecting through zoom And then we've also made sure that resources that people need are available. Stand By Me 50 Plus, which provides free financial coaching, is available through phone and email. And we're also um, providing support by phone generally uh, to caregivers. And then what many of us are doing is having regular phone contact uh, with our members. We have a number of staff people who are calling remotely to all or some of our members to check in. Um, We found that for the most part, people are sheltering in place successfully. They really miss the center and being with their friends, but they don't want to come back before it's safe. Um, One of them joked with me that they will be so glad to see each other when this is over that maybe they won't argue about card games anymore. (laughs) We'll we'll see how long that lasts. Um, I will say that the conversations take time and a little patience because people really want to talk. They want to talk with somebody other than the family who's calling to check in, tell their stories, maybe gossip a little bit, um, but just have that that connection with people who know them. Uh, we've also been doing mass emails, um, sending out our newsletter updates about um, the center, safe practices for uh staying healthy during the pandemic and how they can access some online activities. And then, you know, we've used the old fashioned mail. I think everybody loves to get mail and uh, we've sent newsletters, puzzles, notes, and I've gotten a couple of really, um, much appreciated phone calls. One one woman called and said, "Thank you so much for sending me the word search puzzle. It gave me something to do." And another um, lady who came here from Ireland uh, the first week we were closed was had St. Patrick's Day in it, and we had planned a big party. And uh-huh. so, in the mailing I sent that week was a St. Patrick's Day blessing, and she called and said how much she appreciated it and how we'd remembered. Her and others um, for her special holiday. Oh, that's great! It's great. It's so nice
1: to hear these innovative approaches and just the different ways that you and um, some of the other centers I've heard are serving our community still. And again, you kind of because I know it depends sort of on you know the needs and particular interests of our our mem- your members and our older adults here in Delaware and. Talked about how to best reach folks, and you know, it really depends on a lot of different factors. Whether it's age or ability and access to different things, so right. um, you know, you know what communication methods and information information sharing platforms people are most you know, comfortable with, or what they what they value the most. Um, and I know we've talked a little bit about this before in, in past conversations. So, you know, like you, you've said, we're all social creatures. We all need this uh, connection with, with people on a regular, regular basis. And so, you know, there's that one side of providing really core services, like the nutrition programs, but, you know, the curbside grab and goes, and um, obviously the, the homebound programs still continue, which is, is essential we also need these other other opportunities to really thrive and, and maintain a good quality of life so whether that's you know doing word searches or doing a, a virtual fitness class right. um i know you had mentioned too there there was a um there was a story of of, of one of your older older members having having a, a holiday dinner through zoom and i thought wow that's great you know like there's not a lot of folks who might feel comfortable doing that, but the the need to be around family sort of supersedes that, and sometimes you you uh, you just become flexible and you adjust, and you know that that's important. So um, I love these stories.
2: Well, it's uh, you know it's a challenge. We we have our our membership. Uh, You can join at age 50. Most people wait a little longer because many people in their 50s and 60s are are still working um, outside their home. Uh, But we go up to over 100. So there's a difference in interests, activity levels, living arrangements, um, transportation and motivation to stay in contact with others, exercise and so on. Um, but not only is there a diversity of interest, there's, there is such a um, variety of capabilities on the technology. Um, some of our members just have landlines. Yeah. Others have cell phones with very limited features. They don't have smartphones. They don't have cameras. Um, they have restricted calling areas. And before all this happened, there was little interest um, for some folks on understanding how to use technology. Uh, I heard it described not just as a digital divide, and there certainly are so many inequities in um, digital technology for low-income communities and um, the rural uh, communities, but I heard it described as a digital ditch Mm -hmm. for older adults who just are don't have any idea of how to connect um, with other people through the the computer. And one of our members I talked to wasn't feeling well. I said, you know, have you talked with your doctor? And she said, well, I, they want to do telehealth. And she said, I don't know how to do that. And we ended up not being able to connect well with the doctor and finally was hospitalized because Um, of a health problem that couldn't be occurred or, um, that couldn't be addressed, um, through, through the phone. Um, and then some others are, as you said, um, a woman who is in her eighties and on Easter, she celebrated not just with, um, family members in the States, but also in Europe where she came from um, for Zoom, with using Zoom on Easter, which was, was great. Um, and then other people have ordered groceries online. Um, we have a woman whose mother is in a nursing home. So she goes there every day and they are on each side of a window, talking on the cell phone. So I think not just have senior centers tried to be creative with communication, but I think families have worked hard on that um, on that too. Yeah, it's interesting because
1: I know my own kids have enjoyed Facetime and Zooming with grandparents and other relatives and friends and uh, classmates. Now that you know, doing uh, distance learning. Um, so we've, they've all had to learn something, you know, at a very young age and on the flip side, um, since being home, I was reminded the importance of, you mentioned the good old fashioned snail mail letter, the traditional Mm -hmm. forms of communication and why that's still important and how they can, you know, um, they can connect with people and, and that it's really nice for some people to still get a handwritten letter. My mom was an English teacher for years, both at the high school level and then um, in journalism program at community college. And there's a a book she got me years ago, "The Art of the Handwritten Note," and so mm-hmm. that's something that I kind of keep on my desk pretty regularly and try to remember to do a handwritten note to somebody. You know, maybe every couple months because it's just a nice feeling to get that mail. But you know, it's the technology and the way we're communicating. Especially now has really changed, and it's probably changed things for a long time so it's interesting you know what you've got on one side you have an eighty you know eighty six year old zooming with her family for dinner, and then on the flip side, I'm trying to get my kids to learn how to you know write and address and mail right. letters so it's it's kind of funny.
2: It's good to practice handwriting, too, because that's, that's right. kind of a lost art. My children tease me that one of the, their chores, uh, rotating chores growing up was writing letters to my great aunt and um, their grandparents. That was one of the things I had them do. And I will say that to this day, they're now in their, their 30s and they will write handwritten notes, so maybe it had some. Yeah, <laughs> maybe this will carry on for your kids as well. Um, I hope so. I hope it's not a lost art, but yes. uh, yeah, that we can
1: continue uh, sort of this hybrid communication. We'll see. Right. Right. Um, in addition to um, connecting with your your members, um, I'd be interested to hear about ways you're connecting with your colleagues also right now. I know. One of the biggest emerging issues for many organizations, both public and private, is this whole re-entry or reopening transition. And um, I thought you might want to share a little bit about that issue in relation to uh, senior center facilities and what information sharing you all are doing and, and where that's coming from in terms of establishing protocol for reopening at some some point.
2: Well, uh, another good question, and it's a, a real challenge. It's something that uh, we're talking about nationally. As you can imagine, um, the National Institute of Senior Centers is having regular communication with conference calls and e-newsletters about how to prepare. I'm, I know I'm following closely Governor Carney's office guidelines and um, information from the CDC. Uh, about the phased approach that will, you know, like uh, probably be used to reopen the the community, and then with uh, my colleagues at Delaware Senior Centers, we are networking regularly uh, by Zoom calls, sharing information through email, and then individual phone calls. One to share support because it really is. Um, a daunting task to be taking care of people now, remotely or with the food, and then to think about how we might get back together. I mean, the first thing is timing. Since we serve a vulnerable population, it'll probably be one of the later phases of the reopening in Delaware. Um, we also have to talk about what programs we can offer right? and consider uh, the ongoing safe distance. I mean, how do you have lunch? Yeah, a congregate time. program is not going to be... It, that's
1: going to be a challenge. Like You can't yeah. just open your doors and be like, we're going to have congregate lunch today. Right.
2: Or um, or you know, the way it cars. has been. Right. Yeah. So what size do we make classes? Um, how do we ride the bus safely? We already know that we're not going to be doing any trips for a good while, but do people have to sit every other seat on the bus? Um, how do we handle money safely? And then, of course... Will everybody be wearing masks? How much hand sanitizer do we need? Can we even get hand sanitizer? I tried to order some the other day and it's impossible to find the individual bottles right now. Mm -hmm. We need to do wellness checks, take people's temperatures when they come in and what uh, different cleaning regimens are required to make sure that surfaces and equipment is sanitized. And I think the most One of the most critical things is communication, um, both for our staff and our participants to let them know these are the procedures, this is why we're doing it, and uh, this is what you can expect when you return. So uh, we'll have to have signage and restricted areas and things like that. So it's, it's a process. Um, we do have some time because, again, we don't know exactly when we will reopen, but we want to be ready as soon as it's safe to do so. So we want, our goal is to be consistent, to have similar procedures for all of our sites um, while we'll have to make our own decisions about what we do at each location. Yeah. And in many ways
1: this this is a game changer for not only how you, you know, conduct your services and activities, but then from an operational policies and, and protocols perspective. Right. It, it really is. It really is a game changer. Um yes. so in terms of I think, you know, like your biggest lessons learned or, or key takeaways from all of this, um, what would you say what would you say they are, Sue?
2: Well, you know, one of the phrases that we've heard frequently or seen on signs since the beginning of the pandemic is, we're all in this together. And on those signs or in those messages, there is no differentiation for age or gender or race or ethnicity or technological expertise or anything else. It's just, we are all in this together. And I think we could add to that. My lesson might be that we are all relevant and we all need support. And so I go back to what I said at the beginning of our conversation today, that really the only way we can be there for each other um, is through relationships, Um, real meaningful connections where we listen and respond, that we share compassion and energy And no judgment. Um, We all need that support and we are all in it together. So whether it's my colleagues, our members, family members, community residents, community leaders, um, I think that's that's what I take away. And I do have a a quote. It's from Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, Uh the, the man who who. a new definition on the neighborhood and he said all of us at some time or other need help whether we're giving or receiving help each one of us has something valuable to bring to this world that's one of the things that connects us as neighbors in our own way each one of us is a giver and a receiver and that's what it means for me to be all in in this together
1: wow well Thank you so much, Sue, for all that you do and all the senior centers do in this state in keeping connected with our older adults and um, now and, you know, in the past and in the future. Um, I think that's a great way to, to close out today. I, I really thank you for joining this episode, and I certainly look forward to staying connected with you um, as we embark on the next phases of, of this time period. So Sue, thanks so much.
2: Thank you. It was great to talk to you today, Julia.
0: If you'd like more information related to issues and policies on healthy aging and aging in place, please visit IPA's website and other tools and resources, including our Complete Communities Toolbox. Look for recent information in our Wakelet on what senior centers in Delaware and around the U.S. are doing to serve community members and provide social connectedness during this global health emergency. That's all we have for this episode. Again, I'm Julia O'Hanlon from the University of Delaware IPA. And to learn more about IPA, you can visit us at bidenschool.udel.edu IPA. Thanks.